It has been a while, long enough, uh, that I have been up front here. You might not know who you're talking to, looking at. My name is Doug Baker. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Reformed Church. I have not had the opportunity to be in front of you in a while, and so it is a privilege. Now, uh, before we start digging into God's Word, I wanted to first give you one update, and then I wanted to share with you uh, some awesome news, something really cool that got to happen uh, just this past weekend. First of all, an update. Um, it is my understanding that, uh, that societally there is some tension, uh, some vibrations happening around a Delta variant. And that means that decisions are being made about restrictions and what uh, permission should be allowed. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, debate about what is appropriate. And I just wanted to make sure that you as a church here at Community Reform Church know where we are so you know what to expect. And if you run across somebody who doesn't quite know what's going on here at Community, you can say to them, hey, I just heard about this this week. So the pastor, the the elder board, which is our ordained elders and our pastoral staff, uh, we meet regularly. And one of the things that we talk about regularly is what the church's response is, what is our posture toward that. And uh, in our conversations, we are continuing with a posture of uh, personal responsibility. You are in charge of your well-being. You are in charge to make sure that you are doing the things that you believe are safe. We are in charge of taking the resources of this church and moving as in ministry the way that God is asking us to and being available the way God asks us to. Now, one of the ways that we are continuing to make room for um, people who have differing perspectives is that we want to encourage and we continue to encourage respect, mutual respect across the board. If you see somebody walking around with a mask, to please be conservative, careful in how you approach them. Make sure you know we can have that COVID conversation. Hey, are you good with fist bumps? You want to do a handshake? Or do you just want to stand back and go, yo, what's up? And that's okay, right? We get to have those conversations. At the 845 service in this room every week, that entire section there is set aside and reserved for masks all the time. People can come and worship in person wearing masks. That hallway right there goes straight out to door D. That is an entrance and exit that limits uh, exposure or limits contact, and people are welcome to use that as an entrance and exit. So we are making space, but... Again, we are called to minister the way we're called to. So I just want to make sure you knew where things were at as this question is being answered by school districts and as a society. So that's where community's at. Number two, there's something really cool that happened this past week on Friday. Uh, if you didn't know, there is an entire congregation out there worshiping with us online, hundreds and hundreds of people who join us every single week to worship together we have a congregation out there, one person out there who is a member of our online congregation. Her name is Shannon. She has been a new believer for a year now. She was able to connect with us. She lives in New Jersey. She was able to connect with us, has been worshiping with us since May. Now, over the last year after she came to Christ, she has not been able to be baptized because of what uh, just complications and roadblocks that she ran into uh, with other churches. Uh, no one was offering that uh, ability. No one was offering that gift to her. And so Pastor Trent, who is on vacation with Lynn, they are in, guess where they are? Jersey! Yes! And so on Friday morning, they met with Shannon. Do we have a picture? We do. That is Shannon in New Jersey. Check out Pastor Trent in his shorts. 
I'm going to try my hardest to convince him to preach in those one of these days. They met with her, and they got to celebrate the sacrament of baptism on Friday morning. So God is good. Yes. And it is our privilege, Shannon, to get to to celebrate this with you. So um, now, those are the two things that I had. Now we get to dig into God's word together. Oh, I figured there'd be applause for that too. Uh, (laughs) Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, So uh, as we dig into God's word together this morning, uh, my wife, Laura, she uh, tells me often as I'm preaching that uh, sometimes I get so excited and I'm rambunctious and I'm moving around that I forget to let you as a congregation know, like when I change topics or when I'm heading off in a new direction, she says I'm supposed to give road signs. And so I'm going to start this morning with a great big road sign. uh, And this is, what are we talking about? Um, The road sign is, what have we been talking about for the last several weeks? Um, As we've been ending summer, we've been in a series, we've been calling it meat and potatoes. It's just a little short, little kind of meat and potatoes. But it's actually representative of a longer title uh, for this sermon series called Meat and Potatoes Answers for Caviar Questions. Isn't that nice? Like that just feels good, right? And the idea behind this is, is there are things like when we're talking about stuff in church and you, you might be hanging out with some folks and, and they're, they're talking about God and what's going on with him and, and you're listening to somebody preach and the pastor's up here uh, waxing on indefinitely. And as we're talking up here, sometimes these big monstrous theological ten, $10 words just pop out of our mouths and they just land there and we don't explain them. And everybody in the congregation is just like, yeah, yeah. And so you're looking around, you're seeing heads nodding. You're like, I should be nodding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you like on purpose, you're making eye contact with the pastor. I totally get what you're talking about. And inside you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Right. These big concepts. What do they mean? Why do they matter? Um, so we've been unpacking a bunch of them over, over the last several weeks. Now, some of our big concepts, big questions, some of these big words uh, are found right in our Bibles. You can find them. You can look them up. They've got great definitions. Uh, God talks about them. And you can kind of get a sense as he's talking about, oh, that, 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 that must mean that. Um, and that's really helpful. And so some of those words, some of those concepts we've been talking about over the last several weeks, uh, uh, sanctification, justification, we've been talking about the law of God, we've been talking about the grace of God, uh, atonement, beautiful things, right? Big things um, found right there in the scriptures. Um, sometimes, sometimes the big concepts, these words we're bringing up, they're not exactly like specifically the word is not articulated in the Bible. The concept is like uh, you take this passage over here and this one over here and, and that one over there and you kind of put them together and you're like, that, there's a consistent message in that. Uh, what, what, what word we should attribute to that? And so we as believers over the last thousands of years, uh, we come up with wonderful words. And for some reason, they have to have at least five or six syllables. Probably because we're trying to impress somebody. It's that old Dead Poet Society quote, right? Why do men write poetry? To woo women. Because five-syllable words are really what woo women. Nope. See? <clears throat> so anyway, um, see, that was a rabbit trail. See, I go. I, n- no road sign on that. It just happened. Um, back on track. So 
Uh, these concepts that we find in Scripture, we, we come up with these words to understand them. Um, we, we, we do that trying to be faithful because we're trying to get a sense of who God is. And we have to have a way of describing it. Uh, for instance, the word Trinity, Trinitarian, that we have a triune God. Trinity is not in the Bible. The concept is, the Bible talks about one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's in there. But the word Trinity is not. We had to come up with that. Um, last week, you heard a beautiful word called hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is how do you read the scriptures? What's your interaction with truth? Exegesis, how do you apply it? God's truth to real life. Um, beautiful words, not found in the Bible. Today, we're going to be talking about two words that are of that second group. Um, the concept is there like the truths about God that we're trying to understand, that's there. And we had to put a word on it. We had to put a couple of words on it. So what are our $10 words for today? And I'm going to have them put them up on the screen so you can see them. It helps me when I see words, uh, not just hear them. So our words for today are communicable and incommunicable. Good words. Mm. All right, let's pray. And then we'll dig into what they, what they mean. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together into this space, for gathering us together all across this nation, all across this world to, to worship with you this morning, to worship you, to, to praise you, to worship together as, as one people. Um, speak in this moment. Holy Spirit, anoint the words that are, are being shared, that, that they would be faithful in their proclamation, that they would be faithful in their hearing. And... Lord Jesus, take root in us and reveal again who you are and who our Father in heaven is. For his glory and for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Communicable, incommunicable, what do they mean and what do they tell us about God? So really simple. They sound complicated. They sound like big words, five syllables, six syllables, communicable, incommunicable. Let's get to the root. The root is like commune, right? Communion. We know communion. When we gather together as God's people and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we share the bread, we share the cup. Uh, communicate uh, is another word. When somebody has an idea and they give it to somebody else and that person goes, I understand what you're saying. We share ideas. Communication happens. It's kind of this two-way thing between people. Communicable is in that same vein. If I have a communicable sandwich, you can have a bite. Isn't that nice? There's great celebration for sharing sandwiches in the back there. Communicable is sharing. That's all it is. If there's something communicable, it means that you can share it. Now, if that is what communicable means, incommunicable, you put the little I-N on the front there, and it means no. No share. If my sandwich is incommunicable, I will slap your patty. Don't touch my sandwich. No. And that's it. These big fancy words, that's all they mean. Things that can be shared, things that cannot be shared. It's not complicated. They sound complicated. It's really very simple. Now, if that's what they mean, how do they pertain to God? Uh, what are we talking about of the things of God? Um, 
that are incommunicable and communicable? Well, it's the attributes of God. Who is God? What are the things that are true of him that are shareable? What are the things that are true of him that are not shareable? And when I say shareable, I don't mean like you know about it. I mean like there are parts of who God is that he pours out on you and you can do them. You can have them. They are accessible. There are things about God that are incommunicable. He and he alone contains them. He and he alone exhibits them there characteristics that no other created thing or person in this entire existence demonstrates but God and God alone. What are they? Let's, let's talk about some examples. What are the things? Let's start with the incommunicable. Let's talk about the things that only God has. Incommunicable attributes, the things that are true of God that are not to be shared. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Um, We'll just do a few. There's a big, long list of these traits. Um, We're not going to do that. This isn't like a seminary class. We're not here to just get all this knowledge. I just want you to get a taste of it. Okay? So first, uh, incommunicable thing that cannot be shared. Only God has. Only true of him. Um, Sovereignty. Sovereignty. You know what sovereignty is? Sovereignty is when you are the supreme power. Sovereignty is when you are the final absolute authority. Sovereignty is when you are above all things. Can you think of anything that is above God? Anything. No, no, nothing. That means that God alone is sovereign. Only God is at the very pinnacle. Only God is at the top. It doesn't matter what job we might have, no matter how high we are in the hierarchy of our job. It might not, it doesn't matter what kind of socioeconomic status we might have. It it doesn't matter any of the things that can be said of human beings. No one can be higher than God. And that means only God is sovereign. Only God. So that is an incommunicable attribute. Um, What's another one? Um, uh, All-knowing. All-knowing, omniscient. Uh, God knows everything. He, he knows every language that's ever existed. He's, he knows the name of every child who's ever been conceived. He knows the number of every ant. Exactly how many ants have crawled along the surface of this earth since time began. That's a big number. He knows the names of every star and celestial being in the sky. He knows every thought you've ever had. He knows everything you've ever felt. And he knows all of the things that we don't even know are possible to be known. He is all-knowing. And no one else is. Only God knows all. It says in uh, Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Only God. That's two of them. What about one more? One more. Um, Only God, only God does not have to mature as a person. God does not have to grow up at all. He is perfect just the way he is. He doesn't have to change. He doesn't have to adapt and and mold. Everything about him is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And he doesn't have to mold or be molded or shaped or anything. God is. He is immutable. That's that word. And these are examples. These are just some examples of things that are true about God that are not true of anything else, anyone else in all of this creation. Only God. 
They're his incommunicable attributes. And there are more. There's so many more. But you're getting the picture, right? You're kind of getting the sense of what we're talking about. And these things are true. These things are true of God. It doesn't matter how many people you run into who say that they know everything. Uh, It doesn't matter how many people act like they're all-powerful. They're not. And that's just the way that it is. And it is a gift that we give ourselves when we bend our knee to God's created limitations, the, the limitations that he has put on his creation. It benefits us to go, oh, okay, this is the path he has given me. This is the road that he has marked for me, the plan that he has for me. And when I walk it, I do well. When I reach out for things that I'm not supposed to have access to, that's when things get messy. So those are incommunicable attributes. Here are the things, some of the things that are true of God that we cannot share in. Are there things we can? I mean, it seems to suggest if there are things that we can't, there must be things that we can. Yes. Yes, not only are there, but you're supposed to. Yes, God has actually called you to share in some of the things that are true of him. He wants you to exhibit certain things that are true of him. It says in uh, Ephesians 5, follow God's example as dearly loved children. It says in Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to put on a new attitude, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Yes, yes, we are meant to be like God. He wants us to be. Jesus even told his disciples to follow his example, to be like him. He says this in John chapter 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you do as I do. And now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Yes, he wants us to follow in his example. He has made us in his image to reflect the truths of who he is in very specific ways. And it is a part of who we are. It is ingrained into us. We are created with this compulsion, this need, this desire to be like others, especially our father. And this is reflected in when, when, we, when we're little, we want to be like our dads. We want to be just like dad. One of my earliest memories, and I think it's a memory because I can't find the picture for it, um, which means usually when you have like an early memory, you've seen a picture and that helps form a memory. There's no picture of this, but I have this memory when I was really little, and I mean like diaper little, walking around just like, ah. My dad was putting under cabinet lighting into the kitchen for my mom. So he's working with the fluorescence. He's putting in the ballast and stuff. And, and I remember like walking up and I had my red plastic hammer and I had my, my, my uh, green plastic screwdriver. And I went in, I was in the kitchen with him and I'm like, yeah, all right, dad's going. Bam, 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 bam. That's it. And it worked. It was awesome. It's like one of my earliest memories. I wanted to be like dad. I do have a picture of wanting to mow with my dad. 
When I was seven or eight, I found out my dad likes spinach, just like Popeye. So since I was seven or eight, I like spinach. I was one of those weird kids. It's like, do you have spinach? I like spinach. Because that's what dad did. It's in us. We're made that way. It's not an accident. Because God wants us to want to be like him. So what are some of his attributes? What are some of the attributes of God that we can be like? Well, God has shown us what it means to be good. God is good, right? It says it in Scripture. It tells us over and over how how good God is. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are you who take refuge in him. God is good. And through life in Jesus Christ, we can do good. We can be like him and bring good into the world around us. God has shown us what it means to be wise. Do you know that God is wise? Oh yeah, God is wise. It says it in Romans 11, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And through Jesus Christ, life in Jesus Christ, he wants you to be wise. It says in in James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You can be wise. You can have wisdom as you navigate the craziness of this life. Just ask God for it. He wants to give it to you. You can demonstrate that characteristic of of God. Or this one, you knew this one was coming. Uh, God has shown us what it means to love, like to truly love. 1 John 4 says this, this is how God showed his love among us, He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Through Jesus Christ, we can love. We can love with a love that isn't even human. It's godly coming out of us. How do we know that? Just a couple verses later, it says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Oh, yes. These are communicable attributes. These are the things that are true of God that can be true of you. He wants them to be true of you. He has made you for them to be true of you. And there are more. There are, there are a bunch of more and I'm, I'm not gonna give you more of a list here, okay? But you're getting the picture. Now, why does this matter? Great. This is wonderful information. Woohoo. Why does this matter? Road sign. We've been talking about information. Now we're going to talk about application. Why does this matter? How does this change our lives? Why do we need to know these things? Because so much of this is like, okay, this is wonderful stuff. Here are these lists of attributes, and it's good, and we can do these things. But does this make a difference in my life? Yes. Why? Because... There are good ways to want to be like God. And there are harmful ways to want to be like God. Both. We are told to be imitators of Christ, to imitate how he lived. Good. 
When Adam and Eve wanted to be able to know good and evil like God did, so they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Bad. It was not for them to know, and they took it upon themselves anyway. It is helpful for us to know which attributes are communicable and which are incommunicable, which of them we're supposed to share with him and which of them are supposed to be out of our grasp. Some things are supposed to be out of our grasp. There are ways that we can never be like him and they must not be pursued. And the ways that we are supposed to be like him, we're supposed to be fighting for with every ounce of our being. And this is hard. This is complicated because these things that we're not supposed to be pursuing, the world tells us this is how you're supposed to do it. And we live in the world. We're not supposed to be of it, but we live in it. And if they say things enough, it's hard not to get brainwashed. And they're always beating this drum. Boom, boom, boom. You need more power. You need to be in control. You've got to handle it. You've got to be all things to all people. You've got to do, you've got to do, you've got to do. And over here, these beautiful things that God says, emulate me, do these things. And the world's like, man, that's, that's weak. That's terrible. Don't do that. We've got to know the difference so that when we're out there and we're hearing all the stuff and it's being poured out on us, we can tell the difference. We get mixed up as people. We tend to want to be like God in ways we can't and we shouldn't, and we turn our noses up at the ways that we're actually supposed to be like him. It is tempting to want to be the one in power. It's tempting to try and come across as the best or the smartest one in the room. How many of us haven't overextended ourselves with commitments because we're just trying to help or we're trying to, 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 to be all things to all people or we're trying not to let anyone down, and so we frazzle ourselves out, and it is painful and destructive for our health and our lives. Have you ever found yourself wanting or feeling like you need to save someone? Our world really seems to think that those are the things to achieve, that those are the things to pursue. And here's God Reminding us, no, 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 not, here are the things about me that I want you to do. And it's going to be hard, and it's going to try you, and it's going to test your patience, and sometimes you're, going to, you're, you're just not going to be able to do it. And you're going to want to be able to do it, and you're not going to be able to do it, and I want you to know that I'm with you in that, and we're going to keep working on that as you learn how to do this more and more. Because it's not easy to love someone who hates us. And it is not easy to forgive someone who, who talks negatively about us behind our backs or makes fun of us or, or puts us down. The world doesn't beat that drum about how valuable it is for our lives to be merciful as God is merciful or to offer grace when someone makes a mistake that costs us or to pause long enough to make a wise decision when it would be so much fun to make an unwise one. Do you know how many really cool toys I could have in my garage if I didn't care how much debt I had? I could be super unwise and 
temporarily for a brief moment have some fun. That's not wisdom. But these are the attributes of God that we're supposed to embody. These are the things we're supposed to reflect, mercy and grace, love, compassion, wisdom. And we need them because we are witnesses to Jesus Christ for the world. God says, these are the attributes I want you to carry because when people see that in you, they're going to see me. Do they see me when they look at you? Or do they see you striving to be things you cannot be? Do they see the you I want you to be? And they're watching. They're paying attention. Uh, Anybody here ever heard of Gandhi? Yeah? Mahatma Gandhi. Right? Okay. Uh, For those of you that are like, oh, this is another one of those big words. Uh, Gandhi was a dude. Uh, He lived in India a long time ago, back when England, British rule, was still over India. And he opposed that. He was a a Hindu, not a Christian, but he peacefully protested uh, the British uh, uh, colonization rule, and he led to that being changed. Um, Gandhi was a smart guy. He was not a Christian, but he was paying attention. And he said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. He said this, it is a first-class human tragedy that people of the earth who claim to believe in Jesus show little of that belief in actual practice. People are watching. They're paying attention because they know that you come to church, right? They know you take off early in the morning on Sundays and you're looking pretty snazzy. Like they're, they're watching that from their windows. Oh yeah, they're going off to church. And then they know how you treat them as a neighbor. It matters. It matters which of the attributes of God you're pursuing. It matters because it is your witness. And if we want to know how we're supposed to do this, if we want to have a sense of what it takes for us to have the attributes of God that we're supposed to emulate and, and to avoid the ones that we're not supposed to, we need to be looking at how Jesus did it. To prioritize what God prioritizes, we need to pay attention to how Jesus did it. And I'm going to end our time by reading a scripture for you that basically in, like captures Jesus choosing to walk and emulate the attributes of God he was supposed to and not to pursue the attributes of God he wasn't. And interestingly enough, as a fully divine and fully human one, these attributes were available to him. And he said, no, no, can't do that. Not going to do that. Because my call right now is to walk with people this way. This is from Philippians 2. This is God's word for us today. This is how we're going to finish our time together. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, 
if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded with Christ. By having the same love as Jesus Christ. By being one in spirit and of one mind with Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How do we do that? Well, here's the answer. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, what was that mindset? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the challenge that you give us. Thank you for the encouragement each and every day that you put into our lives to, to find you, to seek you, to be, as, to, to be like you in the ways that you want us to be like you. Help us to stand, uh, to stand as a countercultural movement, the church of Christ, against the worldly reason and logic that says we should pursue those things about you that are incommunicable. And instead, give us the courage and the strength to be like you in the ways that you have planned so that your name would be known, so that the name of Jesus would be celebrated, so that people would glorify our God because of how much they see you through us. We love you, and we thank you, and we give you everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.